Welcome back to another episode of the Centre Circle Podcast. This week, I'm joined by Jake, but um, he's not hungover this week. No, 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 no. It's good to be back. It's been it's been a busy couple of weeks for me. It's been busy. Yeah, yeah. you know it is, mate. You know it is. Nap all going all right? Pre-season friendlies and all that? Yes, mate. Yeah, yeah. All going all right. Yeah, getting there, mate. Good yeah. stuff. Good stuff. Um, and as you can see, we've got another guest on. Uh, Swansea City, City goalkeeping coach, Dean Thornton. Dean, how are you? I'm good, guys. How are you? Good, thank you, mate. Good. All good. All good. How's, um, how's pre-season going at the minute? Yeah, it's uh, obviously our last uh, our last block of uh, games now. We've got Charlton tomorrow. So as you can probably see, I'm sitting in a hotel room in Greenwich uh, for tomorrow's last pre-season game before we... Uh, we're back on the road again to, for Rotherham away on the opening day. So yeah, it's been a been a good six weeks. Um, the uh, the summer went really quickly. Obviously, everything got moved forward because of the World Cup. So the five weeks actually went the quickest I think ever in pre season. Um, but yeah, it's been a it's been a good couple of weeks with the lads. Um, they're all bedding in well. Obviously, the new signings and uh, just uh, looking forward to to getting our last pre season game done tomorrow. Brilliant, mate. Brilliant. Um, is that the World Cup, is that on the, the players' minds at the minute or is it just the sort of taking it as it is? Or No, nah, to be fair, like we've got a couple of lads that will, should make the squads, but obviously Wales in particular. Yeah. And we've got one or two other players that might make it for other countries, but it's um, no, it's all about the season. Like the, the day one of the opening uh, season, it's, um, it's about us doing as well as we can. No one's really talking about right now. I imagine when they get to... Around about middle of October, end of October, people start talking more obviously because of the the break that comes in. Um, I think it's a two week break. I'll be honest, I still don't know how it's structured. Around November time, isn't it? Mid, mid yeah, November, I think. Mid yeah. end of November. I'll be honest, I'm not paying no attention to it whatsoever. Um, sure so much with what's going on before the season, let alone midway through the season. It's, it's never good in football to look that far forward. I've, I've found that in the past. Yeah. So I'm taking it day by day, week by week, month by month. 100%. Definitely. Um, is there any? Uh, so, it was your first full season at Swansea last year, wasn't it? Yeah, first full season last season. Yeah. How how was that for you on like a on a personal note then? Uh, personal note, um, it was strange uh, because I jo- actually joined the club a day before the season started, uh, yeah. and a, the week building up to that, the opening day. Um, actual day I agreed to go to Swansea was the same day my little girl was born. So I become a father the same day of joining Swansea. Um, while the gaffer and uh, one of the coaches within, within Swansea, I was sat in, in Wexham Hospital um, having the birth of my daughter. So um, it's been a, it was a whirlwind season for me. Um, it went really quickly. Uh, I learned a lot, um, obviously being a father, but I learned a lot being a coach, comp- uh, competing at a different level, a league above. Uh, learned a lot about myself as a coach. Learned obviously a lot about other players that I've not worked with in the past. Um, from a recruitment tool, looking at other players, obviously in the past where at my previous club we wouldn't have been able to attract, or looking at players from different countries where again we wouldn't have been able to attract. So just doing things on a, on a bigger scale. And the club really lucky that the club I'm at now uh, are really supportive in the. The way we want to play, they're really supportive of the manager. Um, and I've been honest, we obviously we moved as well to Swansea uh, end of April. So I was doing the the long trek down the M4 for pretty much 
eight months of the season cool. every couple of days. So it was a three-hour journey there, three-hour journey back. Um, we decided that we had to move. Obviously, I didn't want to move at the time because of because of my little one. Um, so now, now we're in Swansea, and uh, I love it. Really enjoy it. Really enjoy the place we're at. We're right by the beach where we live. Um, but the people were incredible. I said it to to a few people now. Um, obviously, my, my background's West London, and you could walk down the street, you'd see a Chelsea shirt, you'd see a Man United shirt, you'd see a Tottenham shirt. In Swansea, everyone is Swansea. Um, I think I can count, count on one hand how many times I've seen uh, people wearing a different kit. Um, everyone is Swansea, and they're Swansea mad. Um, so it's when you're when you're doing really well, I imagine it's uh, it can be a, a proper place to live. Um, on the sound, on the flip side, if you're not doing it so well, uh, it could be a tough place to live. But really lucky last year, I think the well, I know the fans understand that we've come in a, a transition period for the club, um, and we're trying to create an identity back what what, what they want, which is a possession based football side. Uh, and they understand, obviously, the finances are not as well, not there as they were previously. Obviously, with the Premier League back in, obviously the parachute payments are now gone. Uh, so the, the team's a little bit different to how it's been in the last couple of years. But in terms of uh, the club and the place, I, I really love it. I really enjoy where where we are, and hopefully we're we're here for many many more years. Yeah, definitely. Um, have you learned any Welsh yet? Uh, a few words here and there. A few <laughs> words here and there. Nothing major. Um, more to do with parking and driving, I think. So you see <laughs> which means slow. But now I'll be honest, I've not uh, I've not learned so much Welsh. No. Fair enough. Um, I mean, how does it sort of work with just a quick one with obviously the goalkeeping coach and stuff? Do you set yourself sort of personal targets with the the keepers you're working with, or? Yeah, um, so obviously the the goalkeeper that is our current number one at the moment is a lad that we worked with previously that um, I, I knew a lot about with before we were even at MK Dons, and that's why we signed him. Um, I know his personal targets of where he wants to be. He wants to be in the Premier League, same as us. Um, but it, as an individual uh, coach, I want I want the goalies to to win the Golden Glove in the league. I want them to be in the team of the season in the league. I want, I want them to get every accolade they can get. And I think uh, obviously the work I put into them is hopefully reflects on where they want to be and, and vice versa. Um, yeah, I want them to win as, as you can imagine every game they go into and keep a clean sheet. That's yeah. that's, that's your role. But also um, from a personal point of view, like if if we don't go up to the Premier League or if we don't win the Golden Glove, um, from a personal point of view, you you want other other or bigger clubs um, looking at your keepers going like, he's, he's one to look at. So they're saying, oh, the, the role of, say, Dean Thornton or whoever it is as a goalie coach of that club is is producing the next best thing or even like to like everyone's English. So everyone goes, well, I want to, you want to be the next England number one. That's yeah. a very personal, personal targets for me. Um but yeah, they, each each keeper at the club here has got their own personal target for the season. Um, I'll probably sit down with the two seniors next week. Obviously, the the week building up to the season start, and just to see where where they are. Because during pre-season, six weeks targets sometimes change. Um, players' minds sometimes change depending if they're in the squad or they're not in the squad. Um, but yeah, I know speaking on behalf of, of Andy Fisher, I know where where he wants to be uh, and he wants to be at the in the Premier League and, and test himself week in, week out with the with the best. Touching a bit into then your your youth career, um I know you was you was a schoolboy at QPR. Yep. Tell us how 
that sort of came came about? Uh, so I, I started playing for my for my local team, uh, which was Brookhouse in Hayes. Um, I was really lucky that the the team, obviously, it's your, your schoolmates that you grew up with, and the people I played with in that team, even to today, we're, we're all really close. And pretty much, I think most of our parents went to the the same school, so they knew each other even before well, obviously we were born. So I was lucky in that aspect. Um, but I was really lucky that the team I was in, we were don't sound to, don't mean to sound big headed, but we were very good. Um, in the two years I was at Brookhouse, uh, I only lost one game, um, and that was in a, in a in our and it's really it still pains me today. But it was our last ever game uh, for the for Brookhouse before I think seven of us agreed to join QPR. Um, I remember him. I remember in one season playing in nine tournaments in the summer, winning all nine. Uh, I, I remember going out literally a couple of weeks ago in Uxbridge. Uh, and a lad come up to me and went, I remember I remember you guys used, used to play for Brookhouse. We were at Rice at Rangers. I was thinking, how, this was 24 years ago. How, how, do you remember, how do you remember that? And he said, I remember going to tournaments and every time we see you boys, everyone used to say the same, oh no, Brookhouse are here. So it's incredible how even 25 years down the line, people still recognise you for that. Um, yeah, so signed for Brookhouse as a, as a kid, uh, got to uh, under nines, and QPR had already offered us um, a schoolboy contract there. I signed for QPR as a, as a nine-year-old. Um, I stayed there till I was 12. Um, I got offered a, another two-year schoolboy contract. And to this day, I still regret it. I, I turned them down. Um, I, for whatever reason, I, I wanted to go back and play for Brookhouse. Um, it sounds strange now looking back, but I was playing against Chelsea, Man United, Arsenal, and... Because I was so used to winning with Brookhouse, and obviously when you go and you're playing Arsenal and Chelsea, you're not you're not winning every game. And looking back now, it's so stupid. But I just hated losing on a Sunday or a Saturday whenever the game was. I just weren't enjoying it. Um, and I remember going into to QPR and um, losing Steve, every Steve Gallen, who was still still a close friend now, is now a child actually. I just remember sitting down with him and saying, "No, I want to go back to Brookhouse." Um, I think two weeks after I left, my dad sat me down and said to me, like, what have you done, basically? Um, and I said, I just, I just wasn't enjoying it. And to be fair, my, my parents were really supportive. Um, I think a month later, I said to my dad, I've made the worst decision I've ever made in my life. Uh, and I'm a great my, my dad was good for me, to be fair. He was, he was honest as he always is and just said, well, it's, it's your problem. You've got to get on with it now. Um, I think a couple of weeks later, again, uh, a coach I had at QPR was at Wickham that I worked with, um, the goalie coach actually. And he found out that I left QPR and he, he rang my dad and had a go at my dad basically. He said, why has he left? And my dad explained. And he said, I'll come down to Wickham then I'm, I'm at Wickham. Uh, so I went to Wickham. Uh, I think I've been about, I was about 13 then, I think. Um, I'd done one training session at Bisham Abbey and they they signed me that night. Um, I ended up being at Bishop uh, Wickham from... 13 to 16 as a schoolboy. Then got um, I got offered a scholarship. I actually got offered a scholarship a year earlier. I got offered it when I was in school in year 10. Um, and I got told that, obviously, going into year 11, that I'm going to be a scholar at the end of that year. So I actually ended up doing four days a week at school. I used to train Mondays with the scholars at, at Wickham. So in my head, I always believed I was going to be a, a professional footballer, um, giving it the absolute big one as a 15-year-old. Looking back now, worst thing I've ever done. Um, got offered a scholarship done two years as a YTS got offered a, a pro so I've done a year's pro 
uh, and ended up getting released at uh, 1920 through uh, Paul Lambert. Um, and then that's how um, I know where my, my coaching journey began. Flipping it, that's some story, isn't it? <laughs> it's not a bad one. <laughs> <laughs> There's always, there was always that, you know, that one person, especially at school, that was, you know, had a trial or a scholarship. Like, there's always one that made it from a school. Yeah. Then, um, but that must have been like, that, you must have felt proud in a way, you know. I was absolutely buzzing because I, yeah. used to, I used to finish school on a Friday and then my mates would be playing for whoever on, on a Saturday. I'd be playing for, for Wickham. Um, and then uh, we'd meet up obviously on Sunday as you do after, after your, your time with your family and that. And they'll all be talking about how they've got like maths or English Monday morning. I'm just laughing there going, I'm, I'm going to play football. Um, and even to this day, some of those still give me a bit of stick about it, going, what are you doing on Monday? I'm going to still play football, just coaching. Uh, but yeah, like, I loved it. Like just, just remembering like waking up Monday morning and getting a, a train to, uh, to Wickham to get in a taxi to the training ground to train. And, um, at the time, I was I was 15, and obviously I, I got to train with the the first team here and there, just dipping in sessions as a goalkeeper if they needed needed a goalie for a shooting session or whatever, or just to be around like the first team then. And there's some some really good pros there, um, people like Tommy Mooney that have played in the Premier League, Roger Johnson that went on to play in the Premier League, Mark Williamson that played in the Premier League. Obviously, how I met how I met uh, the gaffer now, Russell Martin, uh, met him when I was as at Wickham as well. Um, but yeah, I just got to be around it and see what it was like to be a professional footballer. And then I'd go back on a Monday and I'll um, Tuesday morning, I'd wake up and I'll be in PE or I'll be in science. And I think, hang on, this day I'm, I was playing football. Now I'm in. Quite a big change, isn't it? And now I'm with a punch burner. Um, <laughs> looking back, um, it was, I loved it, but it's probably the worst thing that could have happened to me because. I'll, I'll be really honest, I completely ditched school in year 11 because I remember my my form tutor saying to me, um, and it's maybe big-headed, uh, she said to me, well, what are you going to do um, at the end of year 11? Are you going to go to college? And I, I started laughing. I said, what? She went, what are you going to do when you, when you finish year 11? I went, I'm going to be a footballer. And she said, well, Dean, like, only a few ever make it. And I remember, it was actually a girl, um, I can't remember the girl's name, she's behind me. And she went, no, no, miss, he, um, he's already a footballer now. He, he doesn't come to school on Mondays. Um, he only comes to school four days a week. He's already got a contract. And I remember sitting and looking at my teacher going, well, she told you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the worst, worst thing I've to me because I completely ditched my education. And um, obviously, it's very important to do your education, boys and girls. But uh, yeah, it's, um, I, wish I, I wish I'd done a little bit more at school, but I. I thought I was going to be a football like every, every yeah. Year. I feel like if, if that happened to anyone at that age, you know what I mean, you'd be you you know you'd lose your head a little bit, wouldn't you? Do you know what I mean? Especially if, like you said, you're playing with like first team players and stuff. I'd, I'd definitely lose my head if I was 15 doing that. So uh, good yeah. times, good times. Yeah, sounds good. Um, so going into coaching, then, um, where was your first opportunity to just do to do coaching? So obviously my background been at QPR as a, as a schoolboy. My, my under tens manager was uh, Steve Gallen, who's now uh, director of football at Charlton. Um, he found out that I'd been released. Um, always see each other over the years. Obviously, when he was 
in charge of the 18s or 16s at QPR and I was either playing against him. And he, he seemed to like always take an interest in, in myself, um, obviously just because I, I played for one of his teams. Um, he found out that I'd, I'd been released uh, and out of the blue, I got a phone call. Um, and he said to me, Dean, I'm now in charge of the academy section at QPR. Would, would you like to, to come back and, and coach me on a on a part-time basis? Um, I never thought about coaching before. Um didn't really know much about it because when I was coming towards it, well, when I come to the end of 1920, a goalkeeper coach was still like not, I wouldn't say a full-time role, but there wasn't many around, especially in like League One and League Two. Um, so then when I got offered the chance to go back, I, um, I had no intentions of carrying on playing. I, I broke my leg and I tore my cruciates. Um, so I, I had no interest in playing. I, I didn't enjoy playing purely because... And then three years, I'd train for a month, be out for two weeks, train for a month, be out for two weeks. So I just thought, you know what? I live uh, 15 minutes from the training ground at QPR. Um, I already know Steve. Let's let's have a go. So I was 19 um, and I was at 19 coaching, start with, um, pretty, to be fair, pretty much all the way through, ranging from under nines all the way to under 18. So I was, I was working with keepers that were like two years below me. Um, but that's because Steve obviously knew what knew what I was about and trusted me to to do it. So I, I ended up doing I think four years part time for for QPR, and then when the Triple P come in, the um, obviously more jobs got created. Uh, and one of the roles for being in a at time Category Two academy was they needed to have a full time academy goalkeeper coach, uh, and it was just right place, right time. I'd already been there four years. Steve was in charge. And Steve just said to me, look, you've you've done your, basically your YTS as a coach. Do you fancy being in full time and overseeing the the goalkeeper program? Um, and that's how that's how my my co- coaching journey began. So um, really lucky and really grateful to Steve Gallen because that's how that's how I'm now living my life as a as a full time professional goalkeeper. Coach. Yeah, definitely. Um, did they see the coaching badges? Do they? Is it the same type of? So you can do your level ones and stuff. Is there a, like a level one coaching, like goalkeeping coaching badge, or is it just level yeah. one? No, it's exactly the same as exactly the same as an outfield. Um, you have to do your your outfield badges before you do you do, uh, do your goalkeeping. So, for example, um, you do your you do your UEFA B license, and then if you want to do a goalkeeper, you have to do UEFA B goalkeeping after. Um, which is, I think, quite strange because um, speaking as a goalkeeper coach. You've got an outfield coach that can put all his comments and his opinions to a goalkeeper coach without actually doing one goalkeeper coaching badge. Where the goalkeeper coaches, we have to do both. Um, so it's strange from that aspect. I always think the the outfield coaches should do the goalkeeper coaching badge if they're going to coach goalkeepers. Um, so that's how that's how that started. But one thing that QPR, to be fair to them, were, were really good at was was getting me through my badges. I think I done my. Uh, I've done my level one as a, a whitey at Wickham, but level two, level three, and level four was all through QPR. The um, the FA Youth Awards, uh, one, two, and three, and the advance was all done by QPR. So that's one thing. Um, when I was had my time at QPR, they they were exceptional at um, was was getting their their coaches through the uh, the coaching programs. Brilliant. Um, I know. So you would have been there. During the time, sort of Julius Caesar, Rob yes. Bruce, Paddy yes. Um yeah. as that like being so young and dealing with these players, a World Cup winner, yeah, Caesar, um, Rob Green, England international, and Paddy Kenny, just 
Paddy Gillen. Has that helped you sort of to sort of in your career now? Or um I was I was really lucky at QPR because I had I had nine years there. Um by the time Hudo turned up and Rob Green, I'd have been about twenty-five, maybe twenty-six. So I've yeah. been there six, seven years. Um Obviously, I'd built up enough trust with the the first team staff and obviously the academy staff who I work with on a daily basis. But I was really lucky that the the first team goalkeeper coaches, whether it had been David Rouse, Kevin Hitchcock, Tony Roberts, Gavin Ward, um, just trying to think, make sure I haven't forgotten anyone. Uh, they always seemed to invite me over to train with to train with them. So uh, at a time, it was obviously split sites where the 18s and 23s were at Heston, the first team were at Harlington. Um, and they always included me with, with bits and pieces. Um, I think what helps is they they know a little bit about your background anyway when they come in. Um, and I think the academy at the time through Steve Gallant, Steve Gallant done an incredible job with players at QPR, likes of Raheem that obviously come through and, and kicked on. Even Harley, Harvey Elliott now at Liverpool, he was there as a nine and ten year old. Um, I think because the the academy had such a good name and. When the at the time, obviously the finances were completely different to how they were when people like Hudo Shazar and Rob Green turned up. Um, they built such a good clear pathway that I think the the first team staff were open to giving academy a chance. Um, so people like Kevin Hitchcock said to me, Dean, one day um, you you got to train with me today. So I was like, okay. And I, they always try and test you. The first team coaches will always test you. And I, I do it now with the academy goalkeeper coaches that I work with. Um, I'll always put on their toes in the morning. I'll say, oh, like you're going to co- come work with me today. Uh, and the first thing they always always check is, what's your service like? Because they know you've got to be hitting that area all the time when you're working with Hulos Azar, Rob Green, Paddy Kenny, Radek Cherney, people like that. That's, that's your, always your test. And it's the the feedback you get from the, the first team players that they'll give you a little bit of stick. And it's how you, it's how you, um, it's sink or swim, sink or swim. Um, and I just, I just think I'm lucky that I, I back myself that in that environment, I'd be okay. Um, I remember one day going over to Heston, um, I walked in and I think it was, uh, I can't remember what it was to be fair, one of the coaches said to me, oh, you're, you were the first team today. And I was like, okay, fair enough. And he went, and so I'm thinking I'm going over to work with Kevin Hitchcock and, and Rob and Judo. Uh, and they said, no, um, Kevin's on a coaching course. You're taking the first team. So I've gone in that morning thinking like, I'm just going to be working with the 18s. So no, no, you're, you're taking the first team. So that I've literally got like, a 10 minute drive from Heston to Harlington thinking, I don't know what I need to do today, what they want. I'm going to get there. I'm, I'm, I'm 25 at the time. And like I say, Julio's won a World Cup, playing in the Champions League. Rob Green's played for England, playing the Premier League. Um, but I was lucky that I'd been mixed before. So I had that time of transition of helping the first team coaches. Of course, I was nervous. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sit and go, no, I found it really easy. I, I didn't. It was tough. I was panicking so much about the session. Um, but because I had that rapport with them already, um, I was lucky that I got the opportunity to do that. Um, I remember, I remember day one of Julio signing for the club, and I, again, I was lucky that I was over there helping uh, Kevin Hitchcock. He, he turned up, and he had a pair of Mizuno's on, and was walking across the grass. And we were looking at him, thinking, "He's so laid back." This is <laughs> and he'd been thirty-four, I think, at the time. Yeah. And he come back, and I was thinking, like, you generally like have no care in the world. Or you're just unbelievable, um, and after ten minutes, I decided, yeah, you're unbelievable. Like how, how old are you? <laughs> the joke. He he done one exercise. Uh, even to this day, I, I don't think I've seen 
anyone do it. He had um, he put two poles just inside the the post, so a yard inside the post, and he got a bit of tape and he taped the two poles together. So the poles were obviously opposite each other, but maybe about four feet apart. But he taped uh, up to the probably about my waist, and he said to me and Kevin, right, you're going to go the opposite side of the goal, and you've got to hit a half volley from twelve yards into the top corner. So me and Kevin look at each other like, what? How is he going to get? from there to there in the space of a second and all he did was one step and he jumped over this bit of tape and he got to the other side of the goal so he, he came, pretty much covered six and a half yards through one dive and I'm thinking this fella's like nearly coming to the end of his career he's 34 what, what would he have been like when he was 24 and I've never seen anyone do it ever again a couple of the the younger lads tried and they they got to like the middle of the goal but Julio just covered the ground. I'm thinking like, oh, now I see why you played so many times for Brazil. Now I see why you've, you've won Champions Leagues. Um, and Rob Green was brilliant for me as well as a coach um, because he tested me. Obviously, he had um, a, a really good career. And I think, he, I t- still to this day, I think he's so underrated of how good he actually was. And even in the dressing room, I, I was never in the dressing room, but I can tell the, the respect that players had for him. Um and I was, I was always keen to ask him questions. Uh, and he was always really honest with me, especially with my sessions. He'd say, like, mate, although I always pretty much ask me why I'm doing it. Um, but no, I can't speak highly enough of, of Rob. Rob was fantastic for me as a, as a younger goalkeeper coach. Yeah, that's, I mean... Well, great. I would say he was definitely underrated, I think. Yeah. He played that many Premier League games and stuff like that and not be a good goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, but seeing... As a 25-year-old, being in that environment, I would have... I would have lost my head. Yeah. That's the character that you, like, you've got, you know, to come out and go, you know, um, how would you want to explain it? Um, you, you've got to sort of be confident in your own abilities, you know, as a coach as well, I suppose, to, to go in and coach these first-team goalkeepers that, like you said, have won World Cups, so have got international caps. Um, so, flipping it, I, I mean, I can. I, I, I was really lucky that I got the I got the opportunity to assist uh, yeah. the first team coaches. Um, so I'm, I'm really really grateful for for that opportunity. And as a as a young goalkeeper coach, it was really interesting to see how how they'd set up for their weeks if they're playing. Uh, obviously, they're in the Premier League at that time as well. Um, to so see that how they would. Uh, set up to play like an Arsenal or a Man United or a Chelsea, whoever it was. Uh, I found it really interesting how they would structure their week for that opposition. Um, and that's something that I was I was really lucky to at the time, obviously being in the Championship and being in the Premier League as a, an academy goalkeeper coach and obviously getting the opportunity to uh, to assist them when, when necessary. Yeah, definitely. Um, so going from then dealing with the, the academy players sort of, you know, also dealing with the first team players at QBR to then getting a role at Swindon. Was there a like? Obviously, there was a, there was a change in in some respects, but um, was it an easy transition to make? Um, it was. It was an interesting one because I I didn't I hadn't, I'll be honest I never had real ambition to go to first team level. I was always keen with with staying with the academy plus the like. People like Joe Lumley, who I worked with, that obviously went on to go through his QPR and still playing now in the Championship. I, I really enjoyed that aspect of developing the young one to then get through to the first team. 
Um, and it was it was just out of coincidence that Paul Crichton that I worked with at QPR, who was the first team coach um, at the time, left, went to Swindon, uh, and he rang me and said, "Look, I've um, I've been offered a role in America." Uh, so I'm thinking, right, he's going to offer me a job to go him to America. So I was thinking, oh, here we go. Like, I'll going to do an academy in America, whatever. Um, and he said to me, no, I've, I've put your name forward for the Swindon job. Uh, at the time, Swindon were in League One. Uh, bear in mind, I, I was 28 at this time. Um, I didn't really want to go to a first team level. I didn't think, not that I wasn't ready. I just never had it planned for, for me at such an early age. Um, I decided to go and, and meet the manager. Uh, Luke Williams um, and he's told me look it's a really young group anyway um, I think the oldest player at the time might have been about 27 but it, was, it must have been the youngest team in League One by a long long way um, a couple of players that I worked with before um, Michael Doughty I had through the youth team at QPR Jamie Sanders white come through QPR um, and I know that Michael Doughty gave me a, a really good reference to, to Luke and the assistant manager there so look he's a young goalkeeper coach I've known him for years but I really liked him. And I know that Luke really trusted Michael Doughty. Um, so I did make the jump. I made the transition at 28. Um, I think at the time I was the youngest goalkeeper coach in the, definitely in the English leagues. I know that. Um, so I'm pretty proud of that aspect. And that's another reason why I wanted to go. Um, so I went to Swindon at 28 and I spent uh, just over two, two and a bit years there working with uh, Luke Williams, uh, Phil Brown, Dave Flipcroft. Uh, Matty Taylor that I'm I'm really close with now. Obviously, Matty was playing at the time. And even from, from that aspect, when Dave Flickcroft chose to go to Mansfield, um, Matty got told he's going to be caretaker manager. Um, but he wanted to, to play in the game still. So I remember for one game, I, I got an opportunity to not take the team, but I was assisting Matty and assisting uh, the late Alan McLaughlin, unfortunately, who's no longer with us. Um, so I literally got for one day to, to see what it was like to be a football league manager at 29.30 um, and I hated every minute of it that's what I don't know <laughs> um, yeah that, like even for that that I never thought that I'd get the opportunity to even do something like that um, but yeah so I worked with some, some really good coaches and some really good managers at Swindon and I definitely grew up a, a lot as a coach because I'd gone from nine years at QPR where winning of course winning is important at, at levels but in the academy it's, it's not the be all and end all where you go to League One, you go to League Two, and it's people fighting for three points for their mortgages and and to, to feed their family. It's completely different, and I I love that. And I decided that I'm, I'm never touch wood or not touch wood. Um, I don't really want to go back to an academy environment right now. I might in uh, in years to come, uh, but right now I, I see myself or I want to see myself coaching at first team level as much as possible. Yeah, definitely. Well, you seem to be doing very well at that anyway. Um, at the minute, so. Um, yeah, keep going, definitely. Um, Jake, do you want to ask a question? Um, <clears throat> well, I don't know. I think we've we've covered a lot. Um, obviously, Brad mentioned we had, a, we had a bit of a chat, obviously, about yourself, and and obviously you mentioned about your your sort of coaching academy you've got going on. Um, sort of how, how's that how's that going? Is is that all okay? Yeah, or? yeah it's going. Pretty much, but, um, I've got one centre at Maidenhead. I've got one centre at Reading. Um, I'm always looking to build. I'm always looking for coaches. Um, I'm going to try and set one up in Swansea, but obviously my main job is uh, the first team here at Swansea. Um, I'm really lucky that I've got um, two really good coaches that look after my, my centres in Maidenhead and Reading. Um, the Reading venue, 
I'd pretty much done two months of of work getting it ready for the actual launch. And a week before the launch actually started, um, I'd gone from MK to Swansea. So I was in Swansea at the time and I'm now, I literally done the one day of the actual launch and I've never been back since. Um, but it's because I've, I've got, I'm lucky I've got a really good coach who look, looks after me there. Uh, touch wood, it's going really well. I've got, I think, 35 keepers at Reading and I've got about 30 keepers at Maidenhead. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I, I can't complain considering I don't do as much work as the other coach, they coach it for me. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, good to, it's good to give back. Um, I'm not going to lie, I looked at it as a business model as well because um, of football, in football, however good you are or however bad you are as a coach, you are going to get sacked at some point. Um, that's the reality we're in. Yeah. Um, so I always thought that if I got sacked, I'd decide I have something to fall back for. Uh, luckily, at the moment, it, it's it's working. Um, <laughs> I stay in, in, in a row at Swansea. Um, but yeah, it's something that I'd, I'd planned. I, I did it a long time ago, and I, I really wish I kept it going. I started at, at Brookhouse um, probably 10 years ago. Um, and then when I, when I left to go Swindon, um, I stopped it completely and I, sh- I should have kept it going but yeah something that I, I always thought look I might as well do something and I was really lucky that like I said earlier I, I signed for QPR as an eight-year-old and I had I want to say a goalkeeper coach but I had someone that was there mentoring me and, and people helping me as I got older obviously I, I got goalkeeper coaches but some some kids never have a goalkeeper coach in their life they play grassroots the whole life uh, and they never get an opportunity so it could be someone's dad helping them to, to go and go it could be their own dad um, so I just try to give back where obviously there's a lot more jobs now in football but if you have a really good coaches so whether they work for your, your own academy or or an academy or a grassroots team I always think it's important especially for a goalkeeper because we are different we are um, we are a different mm-hmm. because not everyone wants to be a goalie most of them, people want to be a centre forward um, so I think it's important that they, they get an opportunity to be coached uh, at a level and obviously if they want to take it further, their talent will only take them so far and uh, then the rest of it is a, a little bit of luck, of course. But if they're getting taught the the right strategies, the, the right kind of training, it's only going to help them. Yeah, of course. Yeah, definitely. Um, is there any, so is there any keepers at the moment that are sort of touching first team? I know... Um, Young lad at QPR, is it Murphy? Yeah, so M- Murphy's, a, Murphy's a really interesting story. Um, Mur- Murphy actually coached me last year at, at Maidenhead Redden um, while he was obviously playing for the first team. But um, I don't don't want to give myself a clap here, but I actually signed Murphy as a nine-year-old. Um, he was playing for Wickham at the time against QPR. Uh, it was their under-nines. And on a Sunday, obviously, part of my role as the academy goalkeeper coach was overseeing the, the different keepers and just that little bit of luck that day um, we can play QPR at Harlington and obviously I've got an interest in both clubs obviously I worked for QPR and played for, QPR, played for Wickham um, and I remember this little lad tearing up going what is going on here? he's making save after save after save um, and I remember the game finished I went over to him his little nine year old lad I, I asked him for his name I said what's your, what's your name he told me uh, Murphy Cooper Um and I said, oh, I'm, I'm Dino, the, the QPR goalkeeper coach. Nice to meet you. And I left it as that. I think it might have been about three weeks later, um, Wickham uh, Academy shut down. Uh, so I, I rang one of the Wickham coaches who I knew and said, what's the what's the crack with a goalie called Murphy in the nines? He went, well, he's, he's due to go in a Reading and he's a Reading fan. 
And I said, okay, I said, do you think I can get him a QPR? And he said, I'll give you his mum and dad's number, give him a call. Um, luckily, M- Murphy remembered who I was um, from literally asking me asking his name. He turned up at, at QPR on the open night and I remember speaking to, to Steve Gallen. I said, look, um, have a watch of this lad for 20 minutes and I'm telling you now, Steve, like, I, I don't even need to watch him. I know we need to sign him. Uh, Steve watched it for 10 minutes and Dean, if you want to sign him, get it done. Uh, and that night, I said, look, if you want to roll off your contract now. Um, he did, I don't think he signed it that night, but I think he went back and I think he was still half tempted with Reading. But I remember I remember his mum, um, Kelly, ringing me and saying that like, like Murphy wants to sign for QPR. Um, fair play to him. He's, he's gone all the way through now. He got opportunity last year to play in the, in the league and it was... It was brilliant for me to see him last game of the season where unfortunately he didn't play, Senny played, but it was great to see a boy that I'd worked with a nine-year-old sitting on the bench at obviously our stadium for the last game of the season. Um, we still speak now. He was coaching for me the last two years. He's a great lad and uh, I wish him all the best. Yeah, I remember there was, for us, there was a bit of a goalkeeping crisis. Yeah, there was a nightmare for QPR, wasn't there? Kieran Westwood coming, got injured. Three or four keepers and then to see Murphy get a call-up, as a like as a QPR fan, you do sort of you know we want youth to do well and stuff. So to see him come in, he's done very well. Um, so I hope this season he does get a bit more of an opportunity. And hopefully- yeah, Gavin and uh, Gavin and Herbal have done a brilliant job of him. He's um, he's kicked right on. He's a he's a really confident lad. He's one of the best shot stoppers I've worked with as a, an academy goalkeeper coach coming through. Obviously, I've I'm not seeing him now properly for uh, what about six years on a day-to-day basis. But um, when I was at QPR, we, we always try to give a, you try to give every player a pathway to come through. But we always, um, the coaching staff and the recruitment, we always identified Murphy as one that, if everything, with a little bit of luck, he could be the one to come through and, and get an opportunity. Um, and touch wood, he's had that bit of luck and he and he has played in the championship, which is, which is brilliant for him. Um, and hopefully, as you say, he signed a new contract, I think, a couple of weeks ago as well. So um, they, they see the, the qualities that he have and hopefully he'll, he'll get some game time playing first team football, whether it's at QPR or wherever he goes out on loan this season. But Gavin and, and, and Erbo have done a, a brilliant job of him. Yeah, superb, definitely. Um, you, you mentioned briefly about MK Dons. Um, when, obviously, when Russell Martin got the job at MK Dons, was there something in the back of your mind thinking, you're going to give me a belly? He's got. He's going to give me a ring and just. You must, you must have heard this story, no? <laughs> oh, I've not heard this story, no. 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 So, um, I'll, I'll give you a quick story. I can. Yeah. I, le- I left Swindon. Uh, I got offered the the Taiwan national job, um, and I spoke to I spoke to Phil Brown, who was a manager at Swindon at the time, uh, and I said, look, I've um, I, I got a phone call out of the blue one day. It was a week before the season started. It was a Thursday. And I remember driving into training ground, it was the, the manager of Taiwan. And he said to me, you've been recommended to me, uh, would you be interested? And I said, I'll be honest, not one bit. Um, he told me the contract and I went, yeah, I'm interested now. <laughs> um, and I actually generally thought it was someone having a wind up. So I, I drove into training ground, trained, didn't say anything to anyone at Swindon. Uh, got home that night and the, the manager rang me again and said, um, have you told Swindon you're leaving? And I was like, why would I tell them that? I've got no contract offer or nothing. Why, why am I going to... I don't even know what, what you really want from me. Um, he then said to me, you've been recommended to me by one of the coaches I work at QPR, who was the first team goalkeeper coach, David Rouse. Um, he said, look, um, 
things worth a look if you're interested. He's a young goalkeeper coach. Uh, he's been at first team, been at the academy. Um, so then I went in Friday morning to Phil Brown. I said, look, um, I've been offered this opportunity. What, what do you think? So I was like, Phil said to me, like, I'll be honest, I can't offer anywhere near what they're offering, which I knew that anyway. Um, and he said, Dean, to be fair, you're 30 years old. And on your CV, and I didn't even think about it at the time, he said, on your CV as a 30-year-old, you'd have head of academy, you'd have first-team goalkeeper coach in the Football League, uh, you've worked at a Premier League club at QPR, and you'd also be an international goalkeeper coach at the age of 30. Uh, and that sort of hit me, and I was like, yeah, I didn't think of it like that. He said, look, if I was you, Dean, um, I'd love for you to stay. And I got on really well with Phil. He's a brilliant coach, brilliant manager. Um, and he said, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel comfortable saying you, you need to stay. Um I then literally had been told by the manager of Taiwan, um, if you accept it, you've got 48 hours to be here. So I literally said on this Friday, um, I'm leaving uh, Swindon. I took the the last pre-season game with Phil because he asked me to, to do that as a favour for him. I said, yeah, of course I will. On the Sunday, I'm on a flight to Taiwan. Monday night, I'm in Taiwan. Um, so I'm now thinking like, I'm going to be here. I got offered a three-year contract. It ended up lasting three months. I'm, I'm glad it did because I, I was desperate to come back. But um, I come back for a year and I was working for a football agency as a, as a scout. Um, and one of the goalkeepers I worked with, um, Swindon, Stuart Moore, was at MK Dons. Um, and I said to Stuart, um, I hear you're at Bisham Abbey uh, for pre-season. And he said, yeah, because I, li- I live in Maidenhead. And he said, yeah, come, come around and see me. So I drove to to Bisham Abbey, met Stuart Marlowe, had a coffee, and he said, look, come back to Bisham Abbey. There's a, a game going on. It's, I think it was MK's under uh, 18s, I think. Um, so I was watching the game with Stuart and I got a, a tap on my shoulder and it was Russ. And I completely forgot that Russ was at MK. Uh, obviously, I, I played with Russ when I was 16 at, at Wickham. Um, had a conversation, left there. Um, three, three months down the line, I think it was, um, I got a text from Stuart Moore. It was a Saturday evening. Stu texted me and said, oh, your mate's got the manager's job. So I'm thinking, okay. So I turned on the sky. I've seen uh, Paul Tisdale's left MK. Uh, and I thought, oh, brilliant. So I texted Russ. I went, Russ, um, congratulations. Wish you all the best. Um, he texted me back after about 10 seconds, rang me and said, um, I'll call you in a bit. You know exactly what it's going to be about. Um, so I said to my missus, like, I think I might be getting a coach's job here. Because um, we, we joked about years ago, because uh, when I was at Swindon, we played Norwich in the cup, and we we said like, when he becomes a manager, I'll always be his goalkeeper coach. It was like a, a tongue in cheek comment we've never never spoken about ever. Um, and then on Saturday night, he said, um, "I want you in with me as my as my coach." Um, I was working for a, a football agency at the time. I had three months negotiation on my contract. I wanted to leave, um, and I said to Russell, like, "I've got no chance of of coming like tomorrow on a Sunday to." To come see you, I said I'm still with my my football agency. Um, I didn't know at the time, but he was actually speaking to someone at the agency that they know they know very well, and they agreed that if I wanted to go, I could go. Um, I met MK on the Monday, said no on the Monday, uh, drove home. I said to Russ, the contract's nowhere near where I want to be. Uh, he said, leave it with me. I went back on the Tuesday, said no again come back heard nothing on the Wednesday um, Russ rang, rang me Thursday morning and said can you come up today um, I think I can get it done 
Uh, I went back on the Thursday, um, agreed. And I said, look, I am, um, when do you need me by? And he said, you need to start tomorrow. Um, so I started literally three, four days after Russ got the, the MK job. And I'm lucky I've, I've been with him ever since. So yeah, so that story came apart. Brilliant. I've never, I've never heard that story. No. And I did do my research. Don't worry. I did, I did do it. I just, I've never heard that story. That's brilliant. Yeah, so it came out, came out the complete blow. Look at that. That's great. I'm hoping, I'm hoping Jake's going to take me with him when you go up the league, Jake, eh? We'll see, mate. We'll see. I'm going to try and get there first. <laughs> um, right. Well, we'll finish off then. We'll do, if you're happy enough, we'll do a few quick fire questions and then that'll be us. No worries. Um, right. So, do you want me to do them, Jake? Or, you have, or do you want me to do one? I'll go the other. Yeah, right. Okay. So, your favourite kit ever worn? Favourite kit ever worn? Uh, it'll probably be the Everton goalkeeper shirt, which was a, a black one that had, and it had NEC across it and Neville South on my hero and me being Nevertonian and the goalie went hand in hand. Brilliant. Wales or West London? <laughs> living wise. Uh, living wise? Living wise, yeah. Not, not, yeah, I won't make you choose. Wonsie all day long, Wales. Yeah? Yeah. Geez, Geez come on, have you, you've been to Shepherd's Bush. Yeah, Brad. Well, Shepherd's Bush is no good. I, I've never lived in Shepherd's Bush, so I don't know what it's like. So that's why I'm saying Wales. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, if you couldn't support Everton, who would you support? Definitely Ooh. not Liverpool. Not the hope. Um, strange one. I don't know why. I, apart from QPR, obviously. Um, I, I always go for the underdog. I'd have gone for West Ham or something like that. Yeah. I don't know why. That's fair enough. Football manager or FIFA? What would be the, the go to there? Football manager all day long. Yeah, yeah, good man, good man. Manager. Um, favorite ground? Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to be, put my civil hat on here. Um, I'm not going to lie, because of who I support and how far they are away from where I'm from, Goodison Park, Everton all day long. That is a nice stadium. The Swansea home kit or the away kit? Which one do you prefer this year? Uh, I think you've always got to go home. Yeah, no, I think the home's traditional, isn't it? It's yeah. Safe bet, that one. Very smart, actually. No, it's, it's smart share. Uh, proudest football moment? Proudest football moment? Um, ooh. I want to link it to... I've got two. Okay. And it's sort of football and it's not football, if it makes sense. Probably football moment for me, um, probably signing a professional contract at Wickham. But linking it to the game futsal, I played for England with futsal. So I got the opportunity to, to represent England uh, a number of times and I played in the, the their first ever futsal win. So I, I was lucky that I played, I think, about 35 times for England with that. So as much as it's not football, it is to a degree or certain, a former aspect of football. So, one of them. Not Pat whatsoever, are they really? <laughs> is there like, see, I I wouldn't know much, a lot about futsal. And is there, is there a big difference, would there be a big difference between that and sort of, sort of five, six, seven aside type things? So, um, a lot of people think futsal is tricks and flicks and 
it's not at all. It's all about movement. It's all about uh, understanding your role in, in that team and the way you play. Um, it's a lot more tactical than people think. Um, another story for you, if you've got time. Um, I um, I was at Wickham and I got a, um, the secretary come up to me and said, uh, you've been called up for England? And I'm thinking, well, under 19, they're thinking, not a chance. I went... I've been out for two years with a broken leg and tour cruise. How, one of my, how am I heading to get a call up for England? They went, no, no, it's futsal. I went, what's futsal? Um, he went, I don't know. I went, well, I don't know either. Um, someone said to me, it's, um, it's football on the beach. So I was buzzing. I was like, all day long, yeah, I'll play for England, futsal on the beach, no problem. Um, I then got told, uh, come to a training camp at Lillishaw. And I'm thinking, I've been Lillishaw. There's no beaches in Lillishaw, as far as I remember. Uh, so I went up to Lillishaw, and um, there must have been 30 lads. Uh, I think 20 had the proper trainers, uh, the kit. It was me and 10 or nine other lads. Everyone's looking like, what is this? And end up, it was it's five a side in a, in a hall. Um, so I'm training with goalies that have got elbow pads, knee pads. I've turned up pretty much in a pair of trainers and my gloves. Uh, after one session, uh, one training session, my hips, my back, my knees were in absolute bits. Um, and then after that, I think I had two days at Lillishaw. I thought nothing of it. I then got a phone call. Um, yeah, you've been selected for England. You're, you're going to uh, go? We're going to Turkey next week to play Turkey, Azerbaijan, Holland. And I was like, okay. And that's how my... That's how my futsal journey started and loved it. It was fantastic. It was really, really good. And how long did you, how long did you do the futsal for? I'd done futsal for I think about two years. I was pretty much I think from about 19 to about 21. Um, but because obviously at the time it was so new in England, no one was full time where you're playing against other countries that were. Um and I remember, like, it was, it was great. Like, we would fly from Heathrow to go to, like, a Malaysia or whatever. So you get expenses. I lived six miles from Heathrow. You're getting 40p a mile. I was going to Malaysia for two weeks for, like, £2.40. So I was like, <laughs> how, how the hell am I going to do this? I was going to Steve at QPR. Um, Steve, like, I'm going away for two weeks with England. And to be fair, uh, Steve knew about the game as well. Um, and he said, that's fine. And it got to a point where, like, it was come inside my work QPR, I was earning money at QPR. And obviously when you're part-time, you're not there, you're not getting paid. So like you'd go to like, I don't know, Spain for a week. Again, you fly from Heathrow, I'm getting £2.40 for a week. I'm thinking, it's just no point. Like I can't do it no more. Um, got to, got to two years down the line. I said, like, I can't, like, I can't leave QPR. And obviously my, my coaching career was started to, to kick off or launch basically and I thought like I need to really knuckle down and focus at QPR I can't afford just to keep going to playing for England as much as I'd love to um, I had to step away from from that yeah definitely um, what's that so I, I assume in, in the futsal stuff there's a lot of footwork you'd need as a goalkeeper yeah. in the game that there is now has that sort of helped in a way yeah, I, I loved it because 
uh, obviously with football as a goalkeeper, um, most teams you're, you're not called upon unless someone's having a shot on target or a corner or free kick. Where um, in futsal, obviously the, the pitch is smaller. Um, you're more involved. You can play as a fly goalkeeper. You can play as an outfield player, basically to make that spare man. Uh, and I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, again, don't mean to sound big head. I'm not bad with my feet for a goalie, as everyone says. Um, so I, I really enjoyed that part of the game, uh, being involved a hell of a lot more than football. Um, so looking now, how how the game's changed? Obviously, the, the role of the goalkeeper's changed. 15, 20 years ago most goalkeepers have 30 touches of a ball. Um, 28 of them will be a long goal kick. Uh, one might be a shot, one might be a cross. Now, the modern-day goalkeeper, most most clubs now recruit on how good the goalie's feet are rather than sometimes how good their hands are. Um, so the game's definitely changed. And futsal, for me, has helped. And obviously, a lot of the South American boys that come over have played futsal, um, it's getting bigger in Europe all the time, but yeah, the South American boys play it from from day dot, and they're they're really capable in the way they play, and especially the goalkeeper. There's, there's crossovers, uh, even stuff like blocking the way they learn to block. Um, obviously, De Gea when he came over, he, he brought a different style. Um, he was one that played football as a kid in Spain. Uh, so yeah, there are there are some similarities that you could some transferable skills that definitely I've seen in the game that have that have helped the the modern day goalkeeper. Yeah, brilliant. Um, so, last two questions. This, this was this was a quick fire round. <laughs> no, that's all right. No. Um, so, short sleeves or long sleeves? Short. Cool. On the grey and the short sleeves. Yeah, I'm playing. Looks better as a short sleeve keeper. I think. <coughs> um, baseball cap or no baseball cap? Was in playing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What, what do you mean in terms of what? Yeah, is this a fashion thing, Brad, or what? No, no. Yeah. I mean, like, goalkeepers wear baseball caps, don't they? So yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, I don't think you see it much no more. No, nah, it's not as much as if, it. If you're asking me in general, baseball cap. Right, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, that's it. That's it. That's our podcast over. Um. Thanks for your time, Dean. You're more than welcome anytime. Keep Much appreciated. Thank you. That was that was probably we were probably really shit. Nah, it's all good, mate. It's all good. Like, honestly, no, I do appreciate it because um, no, it opens it up to to what that side of the football, like side of the games, like as well to us because yeah. we're we're off the outfield players and we play, so it's quite a, it's quite good to know the industry and you know your your experience you've had with it. It's, it's handy to to broaden our knowledge as well. So. Appreciate it. No problem anytime, guys.